Now, we move forward to the Gospel according to John. In the Gospel according to John, misunderstood words, eating the flesh of the Son of Man and drinking His blood, misunderstood words had disintegrated, have disintegrated into dispute and complaint and abandonment of Jesus. As Jesus asked that question, which I will repeat over and over again this morning, will the rest walk away? Also, John 6, 56-69, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the Father ate and died. The fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense offense to this? Do you take offense to this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. After this, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. As I say sometimes, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. homily this morning is titled Gotta Serve Somebody. Gotta Serve Somebody. You might recognize that as the title to a song from many decades ago. Gotta Serve Somebody. The question that I'll answer this morning or try to answer or to at least address is do you want to go away as well is what Jesus asked his disciples which also applies to all of us. So I'll go back to Got to serve somebody. The words were, the words were, you may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But you're going to have to serve somebody, yes. 
you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. It's the first verse to the song written by Bob Dylan many, many years ago. And it's quite appropriate for the passage today. Got to serve somebody, and the song is so true. Today's passage reflects that truth. Jesus was surrounded by a crowd that had just witnessed the feeding of 5,000. The 12 disciples had seen Jesus walk on the water just a day in that day. Jesus had spoken to the crowd many hours before and called them out with, You're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the bread. Then just minutes before the crowd hears Jesus say, I am the bread of life, the grumbling began. Many in the crowd took exception to Jesus declaring, when He declared, I have come down from heaven. They disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? I can only imagine the way that Jesus' heart sank. Think about it. Jesus was human. People are turning their back on him. His heart must have sunk as he experienced this crowd asking them, Do you take offense to this? Jesus went on to really upset them. People throughout the crowd began to leave. kind of reminds me, I and the family went out to the Starlight Drive-In. You ever been there before? You ever been to Starlight Drive-In? Up north of Butler? Oh, if you haven't, you've missed it. It's, 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 it's cut out of the woods. It is a three screen. They look like they bought the screen somewhere else and erected them there. But you drive down this dirt road. You go to this little shack where you pay your money. $8 a piece. We saw a double feature. Eight, $8 a piece for a double feature. Sat there on Friday night. But the reason I say that is because, because the image of in the movie, you know how it's late at night. What, the movie started at 8.45? Yeah, the first movie, 8.45. So you know I wasn't going to make it. But, but, but as, as I was sitting there, no, we, had, we weren't even through the... The, uh, the first, first movie was the... Jungle Cruise. And so it was put out by Disney, the fir first movie. So then, but in the middle of the movie, people were already leaving. They were already like putting their lawn chairs back in the trunk. And they were like, I, the car's doors were slamming as we were trying to watch the movie. And engines were starting. People were leaving. In the, and then we, we, got, we got to the beginning of the next movie and we had to leave ourselves. But we, we weren't alone. There was just a long line of cars leaving. But it reminds me of what it may have felt like for Jesus to be standing there with that crowd. You know, He delivers these tough messages to them. You know, they were probably leaving, leaving, leaving. It wasn't like when Jesus asked the questions, everyone went, that's enough, that's enough, I'm going. No, they'd been leaving the whole time. These were the stragglers that were still there. They were on the fence. So Jesus asked them this question. And they'd had enough. They'd had enough. He confronted them, the remaining crowd, along with his disciples with the question, do you want to go away as well? And you know, it's still our choice every day. Many of Jesus' disciples went away. Thankfully, the twelve didn't, or they'd have to like adjust the Bible. But the, the twelve stayed. But popular support for Jesus' ministry fell apart right before his eyes. We always think that Jesus started out and just kept growing and growing and growing. No! It was really starting to flounder just before he was crucified. 
who remained behind were, commi- were that, the committed few. They were the committed few. And, we, and that group would rebuild again, but it would never be the same on earth. It would collapse again after Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So Jesus arrives in Jerusalem. Everybody's, you know, waving the palm fronds. Everybody's cheering this man, this, this, this leader on, on his donkey. And that crowd would just disperse one more time. The good news for us is that God's activity, God's activity in the world is not dependent upon popularity, not dependent upon crowds. So if you measure, if you measure a church by popularity and crowds, well, you, you, it, I'm not saying God's not there. God's everywhere. But the thing is, is that that's not how Jesus measures things or He would have given up right there. He would have headed back home. We're a small church. We're a small church. And God is still active here. I feel God every time I stand here, every time I mingle with you before the church service, every time I greet Cindy in the morning, every time I turn on the lights, every time I unlock a door. Actually, these two girls unlocked the door this morning. So, But every time it happens, I feel God. God's here. God's with you. It doesn't depend on how many, how, what number you are. The numbers could continue to shrink. Yes, God's still here. The wounded Jesus stood and watched the people turn away. Turn and go away. I'd say we're in very good company. We're responsible. We're responsible for our own choices and our actions. God lets us make the decision on our own. No pressure. Even those who stay must daily determine this for themselves. Are you, going to, are, they, are you going to turn away today? Are you going to turn away today? And it's no different for me or you or anybody. Now, this wasn't a revocation of the vocation. It was not Jesus revoking His call, thinking, on second thought, maybe I don't want them to follow me. No. In a way, what it is, is that Jesus is saying, I want you to really think about it. I'm going to give you an out. I'll teach you something about negotiating. I spent 20 years in in corporate world negotiating. I'll teach you something about successful negotiation. You always give the person on the other side an out. Because if you work them in the corner, they're going to balk on you. You always give that person an out. And Jesus is doing the same thing. Jesus is going, you want to leave too? Because there's the door. But I still love you. There's the door. You can go. I still love you, but if you don't really don't want to be here, you got to serve somebody. I think about the way we do discipleship, and I think about Christians in general. I'm not pointing fingers at anyone in here. Perhaps I'm pointing the finger at myself. But the greatest illustration I have of how so many Christians do discipleship is my dog Calvin. My dog, Calvin, is the perfect example of lukewarm discipleship. So, this last week, I had an exterminator coming by the house. And the exterminator, part of, part of the, the, um, the contract is that if I have an animal, especially a dog, that it needs to be crated before he comes in the house. He, does not want to, he or she does not want to deal with anybody's dog. So, First words out of my mouth when I find out that exterminator is going to be, be there, I go, Calvin, great. His name's Calvin, by the way. Why, what else would be a Presbyterian minister's dog? Calvin? 
Calvin, crate. He looks at me. I grab up his little zebra toy and his little orange ball they like to play with, and I set him in the crate. He comes up the steps with me. He stops at the top of the steps. I go, Calvin, crate. He looks at me, and his head drops. Calvin, crate. He go, and he starts his walk to the crate about this fast. And he has to travel like 20 feet. He just walks across the room. He doesn't make any eye contact. He hangs his head. And he gets to the entrance of the crate. He pauses for a moment. He lifts up his paw and he pauses for a moment like he's got a second thought. But then he proceeds to go in. I slowly shut the door behind him. And I go, good crate. Good Calvin. Here's your treat. I drop it in his channel. He looks he he finally lifts up his head and he looks at me like, What did I do? Yep. That's how we do it. That's how and I've been guilty of it too. I like I said, I'm not pointing my finger, but that's how we do our discipleship. We go, we finally hear Jesus calling us to follow, and we're like, oh. we just walk through that slow walk. Hoping Jesus will go, No, somebody's already volunteered. You don't. You you can wait. You can go back and sit down. But Christian discipleship is a decision to walk in His way steadily and firmly, and then finding the way. It integrates as as uh, Eugene Peterson said, uh, who also did the, the message translation. But uh, then finding that way integrates all our interests, passions, and gifts, our human needs, and eternal aspirations. Christian discipleship is the way of life we were created for. So many times, you know, we think about following Jesus, it's like it's going to change everything, or we're going to have some new gift that we haven't realized yet. No, it's actually going to take everything that you are right now, but it's going to be empowered. And it's going to be you be enabled. And it's going to be if you're doing everything that you're made to. You ever heard that thing about that, what's your passion? You ever heard people ask that question? What's your passion? And then you go, and if you know your passion, some young, most young people don't know their passion. But if you know your passion, then that's what you should do for the rest of your life, because it'll never feel like work. It's like it's what I do. It's my passion. My passion's teaching the Bible. I love to teach the Bible, and I didn't realize that until probably halfway through my life. And that's what I like to do. And that's what I have a passion for. And that's what I'm doing right now. And it's a great life. But that's what discipleship is. It's not, it's not doing something you're not created to do. It's doing exactly what you were created to do. And you just step right in it. And in that life, there is a great, great peace. Jesus said to his disciples, do you want to go away as well? We hear that question every day of our lives. And I give thanks that I always hang in there. I may walk like Calvin some days, but I hang in there. Let us pray. Dear Lord, indeed, we've got to serve somebody. Thankfully, you give us the absolutely greatest opportunity to serve you. 
For those who do serve You, Lord, I pray that You give them that wonderful affirmation by Your Holy Spirit. Are there those that are wondering, Lord, shine the light upon them. And for those who have turned away, Lord, I give thanks that no matter what their choice is, that You still love and care for them. May they know it as we know it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.